you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the Land of Saints and Sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Watch it now on digital. Rated R. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. The Around the NFL Podcast simply enjoys the buffet. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. I'm Greg Rosenthal sitting in for Dan Hansis, and I'm surrounded by a couple of heroes, Mark Sessler and Chris Wesseling. What's happening, boys? Hey, Greg. That was an appropriate uh, intro from Money, considering uh, we've got Zach Dressler on the ones and twos today, and his Twitter profile Obviously loves buffet. Oh, I love anything with pizza, tacos, and burgers is all about the Z buffet. Yeah, if people haven't uh, been familiar to the Z drizzle, he's he sat in for TD way back in the day. What what is your Twitter? What does it say on your Twitter profile exactly? Uh, it's a man who enjoys pizza, tacos, and burgers. So, uh, New York, <laughs> LA, and sometimes Australia. One thing TD did before <laughs> he was here for about five minutes was take the volume or the uh, temperature in this room and put it to about. 18 degrees, and then frolic out of here with a smile on his face. Well, <laughs> it is technically a, a holiday today, the President's Day. Mark, how, how have you uh, celebrated dead presidents today? Uh, it's not been a celebration on any level. I've been here since about 6 in the morning, oh, and true. I would not call that a party for I got 30% country. off a mattress. Well, I missed you guys. It's good to be back here. I've been on uh, paternity leave. Uh, I still have a couple days technically left of that, but I stopped in for this podcast. Dan is enjoying uh, a nice weekend uh, away with the family. So Yeah, must ho- be nice. Ho- hope he's having fun. You're going to be off uh, next weekend. Listen, we all get our Let's time. not bury the lead. Greg has grown a beard. <laughs> oh, yeah. Greg has rolled in here today with, I'd call it like one-eighth of a mountain man's beard. I, but it's, uh, one it's eighth. Head, well, it's heading down that road. You You were ready to ditch it. I'm saying stick with it. Oh, my first beard from Hasbro. Oh, I knew you guys were going to give me grief. You were very, no, you were actually like very it. nice about it. That's what I'm before saying. Before we got you, on, that's true. It, it doesn't on. look well, bad. You're saying you want to bail on it. I'm well, saying you need to give it more time. I am. We have There's to go problems. on camera for NFL Now and whatnot. I just you're going to want that beard. I'm just saying, when else am I going to be away from work for a week and a half? I wanted to see what I was working with here. It's been a while. I'd stick with it, you know. And I went with it. Plus, I look like I'm, you know. It looks good. 14 years old sometimes. Well, actually, I wish it. It's got promise, right? I think so. I mean, most guys, when they grow beards for the first time they haven't done in a while, it can come in patchy. Mm. No patchy. 
The problem is the connector. I need the connector between the mustache and the Oh, beard. so you it's, couldn't grow a Fu Manchu. I, I could a little bit, but... Mm. It, You're like an Orlando it's Bloom troubling. style. <laughs> Orlando Bloom style. That's, it, it doesn't really connect. That sounds nasty. Well, I, I, I think uh, <laughs> the sound of Orlando Bloom's name means uh, we should talk about what's coming up on this show. And, you know, Dan always says it's a big show. I got to be honest, this is not that big of a show. What? It's well, like it's, a medium size. We've got Bucky Brooks today. That's true. That is what one of our favorite guests. He's going to talk about the Combine. Mark, you're going to the Combine this week. Yeah, flying out tomorrow. I can't wait. It's a, uh, it's one of my favorite events year after year. We're going to talk a little news, and uh, that pretty much makes up the whole show. So, look, sometimes when you go to a nice restaurant, they don't just serve you a big meal. They serve you a medium-sized meal, right. but it's outstanding. That's what this podcast is. Well, let's see at the end of the show if we feel that way. <laughs> All right, let's do a little news. I believe that was uh, Goonies. What yes. is that guy's name? Sloth. Sloth. <laughs> just mate chunk. Yeah. <laughs> was there a, that inspired by anything? Or I've just... been trying to have TD play that drop hey, since I started you here. guys. Was... Well, that's actually a reference to the old electric company. Do you yeah, remember that? Yes, I do. I don't. You guys are old. No, listen. That <laughs> was a reference for older people, but it was connected to that. You're right. As are most of my references. Another uh, older person. Almost as old as you guys, but not quite. Peyton Manning. While I was gone, we didn't get resolution on the Peyton Manning saga. We do know that he met with the Broncos and he expressed a desire to return and play next season. And yet we still don't know if he's going to be a member of the Denver Broncos next season, which is a curious combination of stories to me. Let's start with Mark. What are, you, what are your thoughts about where we stand right now with Peyton Manning and the Broncos? Look, I told you last summer that he was going to lose his first <laughs> playoff game and retire, and I would just say the fact that we're still sitting here wondering makes me feel good about that <clears throat> prediction, even if it does not come true. It just seems, though, you know, there were whispers that Denver doesn't want to pay his salary, which is crazy for the amount of teams that would love to pay Peyton Manning that amount of money to be their quarterback, but maybe there's something else going on here. There is, because if it wasn't, they would have already announced he's back. Why would it was so awkward to come but out of that meeting and have it just be hazy? This void is leaving a lot of room for rumors. To me, John Elway came out and, without equivocation, said, "We want this guy back, and not only do we want him back, he's going to be involved in the coaching search." The Broncos want him back. He wants to come back. To me, the only hurdle left is you have to pass the physical. I don't know. On paper, you're right. Then why is it why is it vague right now? What? If, if what he says he wants vague? to come back and play, what do you want him to say? I want I want them at some point they're just going to announce T- Peyton Manning's on the team next year after he passes his physical. I don't think it's that. I think there's more going on. When Ian Rappaport, our NFL media insider, reports that you know his salary might be an issue, that his nineteen million dollar salary becomes guaranteed on March 9th, and there is some you know, talk about, okay, is he going to fit into this new system? And it's like, why are those conversations happening? He's on the salary, on the payroll for $19 million. Ian reported, you know, maybe there's a possibility of a pay cut. And it's like, Peyton Man is not taking insulting. a... Peyton Man is not taking a pay cut. Is it really insulting when Elway can point to the Patriots and say, look, the team that just won the Super Bowl, and a big part of that is because Brady took a lot less money than he 
could have gotten. That's fine, but Peyton Manning's not taking a pay cut. He's one of the he great. He should. He's made enough money. He signed this contract with them. They gave him it. It's it's fair market value. He's making the same or he doesn't want to win as much as Tom less. Brady. I get that. <laughs> well, Brady's situation is a total outlier. I mean, you don't. Yeah. Peyton Manning just doesn't strike me as a guy that's gonna be like be approached about taking a pay cut and would take right it well. e- exactly because and his legacy will suffer because of it. If you want Peyton Manning though, you just bring him back at nineteen million dollars. It's less than Joe Flacco's making. It's in the same ballpark right. as Romo and Cutler and everyone else. That it, that to me, the fact that that's being talked about as an issue shows me that they don't totally want him. It's an issue because specific to this Broncos team and the free agents they have to sign, Manning will definitely want Julius Thomas back. Demarius Thomas will play under a franchise tag that will cost $13 million yeah, against expensive. the cap. Potros Knighton, free agent. Raheem Moore, free agent. Orlando Franklin, free agent. All these guys who were key players, I mean, how do you how do you keep Julius Thomas, Demarius Thomas, and Potros if Peyton Manning's making $19 million? That said, like, you after this— You figured it out. You knew he was yeah. going to have you on the salary the whole it's time. It's easier said than done. But after this season, they go back to having, like, $45, $50 million cap room or something. So it's it's not like if you can squeeze it in for this year. It's a one-year thing anyways. But it yeah. just it seems like Denver from the start— There's something weird going so yeah, on. They could have basically said, listen— He's coming back. We all know he's going to pass his physical. No story here. But it continues to bubble up intriguing. Right. I mean, he's working out. There's no reason to think he's not going to pass his physical. Ian tweeted on the 13th, why isn't Manning's return done? Among questions, is a pay cut in his future? I, there's no, I, that just shocks me. That's not going to happen. Will he run Kubiak's offense after running his own for years? These issues, the fact that they were in a room together – and they couldn't settle, okay, you're definitely our guy next year. We'll figure out, you know, whatever needs to be figured out. They didn't do it at that meeting. That that kind of blows my mind, and it still gets me wondering. That's when it got on my back. radar, too. They could have clarified everything and put taken all drama out of it. Instead, it got hazier. There, there is some buzz going on. Oh, I like this. Chris Wesseling. <laughs> you know, unconfirmed wild. Like unconfirmed scuttlebutt. Wild buzz that. Who knows? Maybe he could land elsewhere. Maybe he could land in Chicago where uh, Adam Gase is. And John Fox. And maybe Jay Cutler. Oh, he can go back to Denver. How about that little this combination? Is, Interesting. Ooh, this is a juicy hot stove nugget because this is a big stone being tossed into a pond with ripples across <laughs> the NFL. Well, we're not just making this stuff out of thin air in terms of like reading the tea leaves and wondering why don't they have an agreement yet. Other people around the league, other teams are wondering, well, what's going on here? Do they not really want Peyton Manning? And then they start to wonder, well, how can we get in on this? What could be the after effects? Because when you're working with a guy like Manning that's a future Hall of Famer, obviously, for you know one of the best players of all time, it's like you would expect them to be just very clear in what they want. I still think it's better better percentage than a Dirk Nowitzki free throw that Peyton Manning is quarterback in the Broncos opening day next so you're gonna have to explain that uh, to Mark. He doesn't. No, know I know who Dirk. that guy. You know is. who Dirk Nowitzki? Yeah, that giant blonde guy. 70s porn. <laughs> giant blonde guy. Listen, I, I, I mean, Chris, you're right. In terms of odds, it's like he's probably just gonna be a Bronco. But I'm kind of with Greg. Something just feels a little strange. The Broncos, who have handled their business pretty well, have not done a good job of just basically making this go away. Well, maybe they don't want to. I mean, that's their prerogative. It would. I don't think it'd be a smart move to get rid of. Uh, Peyton Manning, you know, Peter King says that they definitely uh, want him back, and, and maybe they do, but it, it just is weird to me that 
that Peyton Manning would inform the team, I'm ready to go, and yet there's still kind of this open question. Yeah. It's awesome. Well, we need we got something spicy to center our offseason around well, you, for like another 10 days. You can put people on the hot seat over at the Combine this week. Um, <laughs> well, I'm charged with, by the end of today, writing what we're looking forward to at the Combine from yeah. an NFL perspective. I think you just basically put this on my plate that mm. Peyton Manning whether he's going to be the Broncos quarterback has to be one of the things we're it's looking forward to. It's good to have the boss back in the house. Nice. Um, let's move on to another quarterback who's getting paid a lot of money and I would say too much money. Sam Bradford, Jeff Fisher, made it clear in comments this week that the Rams are sticking with <laughs> Sam Bradford for another season. If we had written that headline uh, back in, when was it, August, that he tore his ACL, I think it would have really surprised us. Wasn't it? I, yeah. This is the same guy they've had, and basically in the first three games Austin Davis ever played, he accomplished things that Sam Bradford never had. <laughs> I mean, it's just some undrafted free agent who was an roster afterthought outplayed anything that Sam Bradford ever did in St. Louis. And you can see that scouts, and specifically the Rams, front office and coaching staff, just absolutely falls over for this guy's arm. I and it's a it's a team that passed up so many quarterbacks in the draft after Bradford and in that Bradford draft that at this point there's no quarterbacks left in the draft for them they're not there's no answers and they're kind of stuck with them I feel like if you you could get some desperate desperate team to give you something for Sam Bradford mm. and they won't even go down that road well they're, they're, I don't know what team, are you gonna get for him? I don't know like a bag of spoons in a seventh round or something. <laughs> This is a team that is absolutely committed to going 7-9 and nine every year, so I think this puts them on track to do that. Which is disappointing because if you want to look at the NFC West from a more broader perspective, the Niners are potentially about to fall off a cliff. Tire fire. And the Rams have a chance. If they got a quarterback in there, there is talent around them. I don't know. That's they could seize the chance, and they're not. They're kind of doing the most boring thing available, which is what the Rams have been doing for years. I guess they look at the free agents. There's nothing out there. You know, they don't know if they're going to get. They don't. They're not in love with the top quarterbacks, or they're not going to get them anyways. And they look at Bradford's salary, twelve point nine eight five million. He's going to make more than Tom Brady next year. No, because I well. That's somewhat true, but Brady did have a signing bonus that's kind of spread spread around. Well, he's that last quarterback attached to the ridiculous pay structure. Bradford what? signed a six-year, $78 million contract uh, when he was the number one pick, and he's going to get all of that money. Unless they try to force like a pay cut here on him where he takes some back in incentives and it's going to be like a that minor That could make cut. him... I'm honestly the highest, the most overpaid player in the history of the National Football League over, cash, homie. over an extended period. <laughs> yeah, of time. you're right. I mean, what's this guy ever done? For the utter lack of production. Yeah, they and look, the Rams. What, what Greg is saying is they've painted themselves into this corner. It's not a good year for 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 quarterbacks, but they've had the last two or three years they could have gone out and gotten a different quarterback. Well, that's what we're saying. And year after year, they did not go get the guy in the draft because of this loyalty to a guy that's a B-minus, C-plus passer. Oh, when, yes. when he plays, that's the key. Is like You can't really count on him being healthy because he hasn't been healthy or being as good coming off this ACL surgery as he was beforehand. So it's just question on top of question. And it's such a depressing time to be a Rams fan. I, I'm sorry for all you guys out there. Because the guy, there's one fan. <laughs> I know a few. I know a few good Rams fans. The ones that are at real fans are are legit. And think about this. You're in this situation with Bradford, and the team feels like there's a good chance it's going to move any year now. 
those two. Th- I mean, it's how is he going to sell? Big chunk of Ram fan, Rams, Ram fans are from California though, and want them to move back to California. So Ooh. in a way, mm. uh, I think that's that's a split fan base. Happy, plenty a of big, happy. A big chunk, but not the not the majority. Not the, I mean, there's a pocket. I don't know if well, just as, there isn't fans. like a, there isn't you know a couple because they're in this office yeah. that were L.A. Rams fan. Yes, but I don't think they're. I'm going big burning chunk. up the freeways. I, last thing I would say about Bradford is I don't think I've ever um, seen a player with more excuses made for him for why he hasn't produced offensive line, wide receivers, coaches, many different offensive coordinators, health. And the fact is he just hasn't gotten it done. Right. I got to go back and I, we did that top 10 quarterbacks under 25 a couple of years ago. And I really he was the hardest guy to study. It didn't matter how much you watch a Sam Bradford. You never could get like a good feel of whether he was ever going to be that good or not. Uh, moving on to a guy who I think we do have a good feel on in terms of his NFL career. Chris Johnson is now a free agent after the Jets chose not to pick up the option in his contract. At one point for an entire offseason, there was a big debate. Chris Johnson or Adrian Peterson. Now Chris Johnson might be out of the league. Do we think he's done? Age 30? No, he'll get he'll sign somewhere, don't you think? I, You know, I was on yesterday, a Sunday, so there's no news. And somebody facetiously suggested a Chris Johnson landing spots post, and I just <laughs> couldn't bring myself to do it because in the back of my head was that thought that he might not even be signed. Well, and last year we aggressively did that post and happily. So even in one season he's tumbled even further. And he was okay in, for the Jets, I guess. He was about it. What but I it took him like three weeks to lose his job. Yeah. I mean, I. it's just weird to me to think of this guy. Maybe it's the influence of fantasy football where he was one of the biggest superstars in the league. I mean, he had a two. There's only so many guys with a 2,000-yard season of all time. He's one of them. That's one of ancient the, history, though, at this point. One of the things I did to occupy my time during work yesterday was watch the NFL Films Top Ten list <laughs> featuring Greg Rosenthal and – the top rushing seasons in history, and you weighed in on Chris Johnson and why he wasn't effective anymore. I don't remember. Well, yeah, basically. Basically, he got paid. Yeah, he got paid. He never broke tackles in the first place. Right. He never was really that good at making people miss. It was one of those where it's like the self-scouting of the Titans failed because they didn't realize that it was a great offensive line and big gaping holes, and that if you didn't have that, that's why. Why did you pay? I I think that's untrue. He did make people miss. Okay, his first well, year or two in the league, he had lateral agility and short area quickness that you just don't see. I remember that the Ravens game where they purp- where Ray Lewis purposely injured him to get him out of the game because he was making them look foolish. I mean, he was unbelievably elusive. He's oh. already come out blaming the Jets, basically saying they didn't tell me truthfully what my role would be. And that I was promised a much bigger role, but didn't he play himself Guys, out of that? He's a headache. Who, yeah. exactly. who needs that headache? Right now, uh, he's coming off a season with 4.3 yards per carry, but he doesn't catch the ball particularly well. He doesn't block. It would not shock. He's a boomer bust runner. It would not shock me if he slips right out of the league. Watch uh, the Titans resign him. <laughs> would, well, they don't have a good running back there. Uh, let's talk about another guy who hit free agency quickly, Henry Melton, who was very high on my. Uh, Top you love Henry Melton. He had a pretty good year, but they did not pick up the option. Sort of disappeared contract. at the end of the year. Before he, he got hurt, he disappeared for a while. He, he's out there, so that doesn't get you excited, I can see, Chris Wesley. No, it the doesn't. Henry get, Melton. If, if You're saying was, we should have skipped to the Henry Melton news on the show. I we could I skip it if, right now. If he was seen as a guy who could make a difference, the Cowboys would have kept him. 
I think it's a money thing for them. To, yeah, they have a he lot wasn't, of contracts. They didn't view him valuable enough for the, what he was going to be paid, obviously. Just right. The, op- the option on his contract was big-time money, and they have other priorities. Someone will pay him okay because he was healthy last year. He, he was he only was decent. He was a rotational player last year. They didn't trust him to play, like, even two-thirds of the snaps. Another guy looking for a job is Josh McCown, but he might not be looking for long. He visited the Bills on Monday. Um, for the 785th uh, straight free agent meeting, it went well. <laughs> it went well, it but, went well. He, but he time. left without it, it a always, It always went well. well hey, we, I want to hear the one where it doesn't go well. They're Doug like, Marone's interview with the Jets. How about Peyton Manning <laughs> sit down with the Broncos? Yeah, that didn't go well. Oh, we did a lot of landing spots for Josh McCown, oh which God. is, listen, this is where we're at. That it, was a high-octane piece of this content. This is why I left, by the way. This, the, the time to leave, yeah, everyone does July, but February, you know? Right after the Super Bowl. You know what it does? It's a nice cleansing feeling that, that puts that season over there because I feel like at the end of the season, like we've – I don't know what you're talking I'm about. sick of yeah, you guys. We, We've been sitting in the office every day during this hiatus, so right. I'm just been saying, no cleansing. That's what I'm saying. I, I recommend the the February. Well, that, we have we right. have no closure. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, no so, closure. So I got like closure. a bad girlfriend right now. The I'm not writing 14 season. Josh McCown posts. Where are, guess. where are the bills on your list? So Greg goes from a Super Bowl triumph for the Patriots to like a 17 day self cleansing segment. Well, look, a personal time. Look, I mean, it's paternity fantastic. leave, as you can uh, attest to. Or at least uh, having a know. second kid, you can attest to. It's not like uh, it's a ball of laughs and frivolity. You're waking no. up every two and a half hours. People, there's screaming, some work people, attached. To it. Yeah, you're doing stuff. <laughs> it is sealed <laughs> off chaos inside of a household. It was nice though. Sealed uh, off chaos. Where was McCown on your list? All right. Well, where were the Bills? McCown was at the top of the list. No, no, it was all about him. Where were the Bills? The on Bills. Your list? We put. Well, we put the Ravens number one just for the logical I, well, connection of Tressman. Who, whose name was on the top of that? Uh, article. That that would be a Mark Sessler post. Okay, so why are you yeah. saying we? You're trying to pass along the. Uh, I talk with these guys a little okay. bit. Like we, you know, some checks and balances. So where was the, where were the bills? <laughs> I'll get to if it. It's low, right, if it's lower than three, you're no longer uh, gonna be on the. They plane. were number two. Oh, and we actually talked about putting them one, but we thought Tressman, McCown, and maybe McCown, who's I would in have his gotten. late thirties, wants to just make money and sit in Baltimore for two years, making two million a year, but maybe he wants to play in Buffalo. I would have put Baltimore first too, so I, I agree you. with you. So we think we think this is going to be the starting quarterback of the Buffalo Bills next year. Ugh. Well, it's well, not going to be EJ Manuel. The word this morning is coming out that he wants to visit a few more places before he makes a decision. So, just because the Bills were first doesn't mean he won't go check out the Jets or the Titans or some other team. I never understood why the guys who can sign now, and for the listeners out there uh, that don't understand, if you get cut early in the process like Josh McCown did you can your free agency has started you are a free agent you don't have to wait until all the other free agents you're the prettiest girl today and there's no you're additional pretty- draft pick given to the team if they get signed like that's what they say Ozzie Newsom loves to sign these guys where he wouldn't lose his right. give and take of conditional draft picks Ooh, that's smart and you're the prettiest girl but it's a dance where all the cool kids already decided to go away for the weekend elsewhere. Or it's like school dances are no longer cool anymore. No one's showing up to them. You're the prettiest girl at that dance. Yeah, you've got like not a, a great dance. You've got like a Band-Aid holding your glasses together. You haven't really <laughs> gone through the makeover yet. I, speaking of which, yesterday I was walking. Uh, I was taking a walk with the family in my neighborhood. And there was a group of like 30, 
kids all getting ready for some sort of junior prom. I couldn't tell if it was high school or mm. it's a little early. Maybe in the year middle school. I don't know. Some sort of thing. They were all in the formal wear, right. all awkwardly standing around each other. And it just reminded me how happy I am not to be 13. Maybe Wasn't it's that one terrible? of those. Do you yes. remember that? I did not hate that, but I think <laughs> that it was, was. 13 was awful. Well, I don't know if it was. At the time, I liked I it. I don't think I went to the prom at age 13. Okay, like, wasn't, how are you getting a date? It wasn't a prom. prom. It was maybe, I was still throwing rocks at girls. It was maybe that was two weeks a ago. school dance, like a valentines school dance. <laughs> and they were probably freshmen or sophomores in high school, something yeah. like that. But it was just, I saw them all standing around each other, looking terribly awkward. The, oh, the it's boys, the worst. The, the, kid, the boys in the suits were, you know, just Well, the painfully awful dance where, obviously, like in sixth grade, every guy right. lined up on one side, every girl on the other. And by the end, I remember having to slow dance with someone to, like, take my breath away from Top Gun. <laughs> and it's, you know, Berlin. a total disaster. So you were, you were a Lothario. You were picking these girls off like... That would not even be close to like true, but you got to get in the game. You got to get in the game. You can't. I was like, listen, I can stand around talking about the New York Jets with these guys on the sideline here, or you get in the game. You get. You make it happen. Were you much of a school dance kind of maven? I went to school dances and did the occasional slow dance, but I wasn't like getting out there for fast dances. I I don't no. dance. No, not for the fast. No, not well, fast. Well, b- by the way, I listened to the last show uh, with Lindsey Rhodes which was one of the best shows that we've ever done. It was. And I, and I wasn't there, so read into that what you, <laughs> what you will. Uh, but Lindsay was maybe the best guest we've ever had. I she loved, was great. I loved Definite, having like, her repeat guest potential. He, he, oh, more than potential. You just got to – whenever she wants to come on, she should do it. <laughs> and then Malcolm Butler I also thought was delightful. Maybe that was biased. Was... But you guys did a good job. He was, you could tell he was a little shy – but he seemed like a nice guy, and you guys said, yeah, it was good. He he was refreshingly shy for an athlete. This was a long – yeah, I mean, he's he's coming undrafted from West Alabama. This is a long way of getting to the point that I listened to Dan start looking for your date, basically. <laughs> right. That he's using the show now. I feel like this could violate HR policy. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> that that I, I guess what I wanted to do is follow up a little bit. Have, have has anyone reached out to you? Is anything? I've gotten going a few here? tweets, um, <laughs> but as I mentioned on the show, I don't go on dates, so it's sort of to what end? Wes painted himself to some degree into a corner by listing a pretty dense uh, neck up laundry list of requirements yeah. that any woman would need to pass to even. Yeah, they be were. In your, in it your... was insane. I don't think that you would actually go with this list in real life. Well, whatever it was, I it was said like it they was have the, to be flawed and. I said it was the Bizarro Bachelor. Crazy! You like, need a. You need a. Did you say something about a sixth finger on a? I hand? did not say anything about a sixth finger, but I said, I, I like a pistol. I like a girl who's got some fire to her. That's number one. Okay. And the second thing, flawed. I mean, people who are flawed. I meant in the sense of, you're probably over thirty and have made some mistakes in life and have been humbled by them. Okay. And I think that people who come from a. A background where things haven't come easily to you and you've made mistakes, you tend to be a funnier and have a better sense of mm. humor. You, you. What I'm reading between the lines is you don't want a, tw- you want someone age appropriate. He doesn't want a millennial. Partly. I, yes, Partly. I want nothing you, to do with millennials, right, and well, I you don't want, want like the Grant Hill of women who thinks he's perfect and he never wants made an a aging, mistake-ridden female. <laughs> no, I get past. it. I get it. Unlike a lot of uh, men in our age bracket, he's not looking for a 25-year-old that's full of vim and vigor. 
well, like uh, like Zach Dressler. He wants someone that's been through a couple wars. I yeah, I, I do. An I adult. want a woman, not a girl. An adult. You want and someone that's broken, lots not, of makeup, low want, self-esteem. <laughs> broken but not beyond repair. Gotcha. You want like the 40-year-old version of Juno. And I had a talk with NFL Now's Colleen Wolf about this. <laughs> she listens to the podcast, and she said when she heard flawed, she knew exactly what I meant, and she would look for the same thing. Mm. I like it. Well, we haven't talked about football in like seven minutes, by the way, on this show. Dan would be proud. No, it's mid-February. Let's wrap up with a couple quick stories. Marshawn Lynch, his back issues, according to Ian Rappaport, our NFL media insider, are chronic, and there are legitimate concerns he might retire again. Are we buying any of this? No. We but spent all off-season – well, I'm not saying that, that he doesn't oh, – No, I buy issues. Ian's report, but yeah. I, I, I'm not buying that he's actually going to follow through with retirement. All off-season last year, what's going to happen with Marshawn Lynch? I refuse to listen to any of it. Well, I think part of it is it gives him some leverage right. in any contract talks. I think isn't that what anyone talking right now – I think that's right 99% of it. Yeah, I, I think so too because he's under contract for a pretty good salary. Really, the Seahawks, if they do give him more money and it sounds like they're willing to – like that's that's showing a lot because he's he's under contract for a top five, top six salary. It's like, all right, Marshawn Lynch, you'll be you'll be back. He'll be back. Let's wrap up with another uh, guy who figured prominently in the NFC Championship game. The Packers said goodbye to Brandon Bostic on Monday. Probably the second and only time Brandon Bostic will be mentioned on this show. <laughs> I feel like the Packers are almost being jerks here. It's almost like because of that play, they should have just held on to him and let him try to make the team. I get that, and all the fallout on Twitter was that the the Packers are cutting this guy only because of what happened on that one play. No. they. This is what happens in the offseason for people who may not be familiar with what coaching staffs do in January and early February. They spend that time reviewing not just the tape from every game, but the tape from practices. And they've seen this guy who was a, a college basketball player, and they've been kind of talking him up the last two years as a guy with raw talent who, if he can learn how to play football – I think they've just evaluated that he can't. That he, After seeing him in practice, he didn't get on the field enough. And it's not like they had some all-pro tight end out there keeping him off the field. And they're not the kind of team that's going to try to send a message about the NFC title no. game with this kind of thing. And We're seeing players cut this week by every team, little movements being made ahead of the combine. I don't think it's surprising. He wasn't on the field that much for them anyways. 34 snaps all season. So, yeah. You just feel for him. I will remember how he handled that, like that night. He and, knew, he, and knew es- he made a mistake. And especially yeah. the next day I watched his interview in the Packers locker room uh, when they were clearing out for the season, and he handled it with a lot of – Well, he of, made himself available right? When, and, when you didn't have to do that. Right, and he took every question, and he handled it in like a m- really mature, sort of impressive adult way. And you just felt for him because you could also understand – you could also see that he – understood exactly his role in what was a pretty momentous game. And that's, you know, that's what we're going to remember Brandon Bostic for, unfortunately. I think when you make a mistake sometimes, you immediately know the ramifications. And then it's not just the ramifications for you, but your teammates and coaches. And you, of course, feel like, you know, you're you're an inch high. You couldn't feel any lower. And then, you know, I, I agree. He handled that pretty well for somebody who just made a, a huge – mistake. He'll catch 72 passes for the Patriots. Next <laughs> <season>. <laughs> well, hopefully uh, everyone out there feels much taller than an inch high. <laughs> I know I do after seeing you guys again. It's that beard. It makes you look taller. Uh, let's bring in one of our favorite guests then. 
and see if he can make us feel even taller than that. And then let's be honest. We we talk about Kevin Patra as having some great body or whatever. It's like Bucky Brooks is in shape compared to the rest of us. No, no absolutely. One, no, it, so I'm just taking Dan's role. Bucky Brooks is the man we should be admiring because unlike <laughs> us, he still works out a little bit. I mean, he's you can a tell. dad. He's got a busy Form- schedule. He's carved out of stone. Former <laughs> NFL player. Uh, let's welcome him in, Bucky Brooks. <laughs> and it's your time of year. We we really will have you on regularly as we head up into the draft because we don't know anything about the draft. And as the years get further away from the start of our careers, especially I can think of Chris and I because we worked together a long time, I, I feel like I used to know a lot, and now I just I just pass it all over <laughs> to the guys like Bucky because you can't compete with the draft Knicks. So I'll, I'll figure it all out, you know, April, May. and you That's right. That's the only, time it, the only time it matters is the draft. Well, as long can, as you have it all figured out by then, that's the only thing that matters. Well, you can teach us. We, no, this, this next period, including the combine, to me is about learning about these guys. So, so let's start with it. This week you're heading over to the combine. What, what are you looking for? Is there two, three players – that stand out to you as kind of big-time players that you want to see what they do this week? Yeah, well, I mean, I, to start it off, understand the combine is really one of those things where you're trying to really just figure out who guys are. Uh, to understand the process, the coaches have just finished the regular season. A lot of the coaches will go to the combine. They haven't even seen these guys on tape. They may be familiar with their names off TV scouting, but they haven't dug into the tape so they don't know them. This is really their first exposure to the guys. So those 15-minute interviews when they kind of interact with the guys, that's their first opportunity to really find out who the names are and matching up the names and faces. From a scouting standpoint, what the combine is really meant to do is to provide you with the medical information and to give you an opportunity to get the interviews done so you can really complete the background info. Yes, the running around in shorts and all that other stuff matters, but it only matters to a point. The good teams base their evaluations off the tape. The bad teams fall in love with guys in shorts, and they forget that what you do in shorts doesn't always necessarily equate to what you play like on the field. That's exactly what I was saying right before Buckley walked in the room. <laughs> you hit on all my points. That basically, the combine, you all, all you need is the interview and the medicals. We've seen guys like Jamarcus Russell becomes the number one overall pick because of what he does in the throwing session. Teddy Bridgewater gets slammed for what he does in the yes. throwing session. Nobody walked away from the combine last year saying, Odell Beckham is easily the best athlete in this class. And these are things that are self-evident on film. Yeah, I- you have to stick to the film. I always tell guys, like, if I'm a scout and I've, if I was doing the process, I would tell all my scouts, put the pins down at the end of the senior ball because nothing should really change after that. Whatever you, Love it. Whatever you've seen on film, that's what the guy is. But because the draft is so far away from the end of the regular season, we allow ourselves to kind of get pulled in different directions based off how someone works out, based on the egos that we all have as football people that, oh, well, if this guy's this good of an athlete, my coaching will allow him to be that much better. But in reality, or, most people play like they play in tape on college. Or I saw something in the way this guy moves that maybe another guy didn't see, and I have this innate vision. I'm the these. guru. I'm <laughs> yeah. the guru. Well, that sounds whatever. great, but that's not reality. Like, people do go way up. And you said, the, okay, the bad teams draft based on the combine. But it, it seems like players value – I always hear that speech around this time of year about that the combine doesn't matter or that the workouts don't matter that much. And then they do. They do matter. People make money. And a lot, and maybe it's – you can call oh, them – Oh, they absolutely – You can they, call they, them the bad teams, but there's a lot of bad teams then. Half the league's bad teams. Yeah, bad teams when it, come, when it comes to drafting, like what the combine should do. So say Wes and Mark are similar players on tape. Typically right. – 
what you do is when you go to the combine. Don't see that happening. And you, and, and you, and you measure the athletic battery of tests. Typically, if guys are even, you want to go with the better athlete. Okay. Because you think in the National Football League, when it comes to special teams and other ways that you can contribute, the better athlete will have a better opportunity to be a contributing factor. And that would be Sessler. Right. No, I was going to say, Wes, Wes definitely thinks he's the better athlete. But he's, he's already angry looking right now that that, that moment even happened. You can't, you can't measure what Mark has inside. He has pluck. Like a sixth-round pick like Tom Brady. He's got heart. You can't measure that. That's right. You can't measure you that. You can't measure that. And that's why it's, it's really an inexact science. Like the fact that Tom Brady being a sixth-round pick uh, doesn't necessarily look the part when you watch him work out in drills. But at the end of the day, it's how you play the game. And so you have to really keep that in mind. Go back to the tape. Ron Wolf, who actually taught the guys that I learned from, John Snyder, Scott McLuhan, or whatever. He always said that when you go to the combine, look to find the positives in the player, not the negatives. So the combine shouldn't hurt you. It should make you only go back to the tape and see if the things that showed up at the combine, whether someone was slower than anticipated, whether someone measured shorter than anticipated, is it an issue on tape? Do they run slow? Do they play slow? Do they have issues if you're a cornerback dealing with bigger-bodied receivers? All of those things. So take what you learned from the combine and then measure it up against what you saw on the tape. One thing with the – obviously the two quarterbacks are going to get more attention than yeah. they deserve because they're quarterbacks. But you mentioned with Jameis Winston, you said he was basically – think of Big Ben in the pocket. And we heard you talk about Mariota on this podcast a couple months ago. I kind of panned him compared to some of the people throwing him up there as a number one overall pick. Have you changed – your feel on him, or do you? How do you feel with these two guys right now? No, I still, I still feel the same. I feel like Jameis is the number one overall in terms of quarterbacks. He's the number one overall. The reason Jameis is that size factor, arm strength, all the other things, plus the fact that he played in a pro style offense. He was asked to do things that most quarterbacks are asked to do on Sundays, from sight adjustments, making changes at the line of scrimmage. The system that he played in is very conducive to a lot of the systems that you see in the league. And so, to me, he has all the traits that you look for. Now, a lot of people are going to bring up the interception totals. Like, he had 18 interceptions. I think he was second in FBS football in terms of the number of turnovers that he had at that position. But I will say, guys who studied him, go and look at the majority of his interceptions were thrown to his young, inexperienced receivers. And so when you are an anticipation thrower where you're throwing the ball to spots and trusting that your wide receivers get there, those young guys were not getting there consistently. Some of those were on him, but a lot of the throws primarily went to those young receivers. So that's why you saw in big games, it was Nick O'Leary and Rashad Green. In those games, when he stuck to those guys, he didn't have the turnover. Matt, so that's, Matt Ryan had a lot of interceptions. I mean, Jay yeah, Cutler had a thing. lot of interceptions. I don't know if those are your examples. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, Jay Cutler, Matt Ryan, when they were tasked to do more, like Matt Ryan had 19 interceptions at Boston College his final season. He was 31-19 and 19 in terms of touchdown to interception ratio. A lot of those is because he was trying to do too much, trying to put the team on his back and make throws. And with Jameis, some of that – was him trying to do too much. He's trying to lead this team back. He's trying to make these hero throws that he ordinarily wouldn't make. And so I think you have to look at all those interceptions in the same. And really, the interceptions necessarily on a collegiate level doesn't necessarily mean or translate what it would be at the pro level. Well, I, the key word there was anticipation. How many, yeah. how many of these guys have that? You know, it's tough because a does lot of – Winston? I've heard he does a little bit. Oh, he, yeah. He, he has a lot. You he, mentioned he that makes, you're right about he makes, he makes those throws. Like in, in the National Football League, you ask your quarterback to release the ball well before the receiver com- comes open because the windows are so tight. 
Jameis played in a system that frequently required him to do so. When you even go back to the semifinal game and everyone remembers the blunder, the fumble, or the interception that goes awry, but if you look at the throws that he had to make against a team that played primarily zone, he fit the ball and really worked between the hashes. And mm. Working between the hashes, in my estimation, is the toughest thing for young quarterbacks because there are a lot of bodies. You have to be very precise with where you're throwing. Jameis doesn't have that fear, and because of that, you can think that his game could accelerate very quickly in the National Football League with the right coach and the right system. And I also kind of connected the dots with Dirk Cutter going to Tampa Bay. Mm. Dirk Cutter has always done a great job with young quarterbacks. You look at what he did with David Garrod in Jacksonville. Say what you want to about David Garrod and how talented he was. He found a way to have him being very, very successful. They maxed him out. Yeah. I mean, maxed he, him out. I he mean, had a big contract, couple Pro Bowls. Yeah, he looked really good under Dirk. Look at what he did with Matt Ryan. Oh, yeah. He freed Matt Ryan to run a lot of no-huddle stuff. He put a system in place that allowed him to play to his strengths. Didn't push the ball vertically a lot, but he did a great job of getting the ball to his playmaker. So if you give him a talented player, he'll find a way to make him work. And he probably could do the same thing with Marcus Mariota. My concern would just be that Jameis is a more – refined pocket passer than Marcus is at that time. Doesn't mean that Marcus can't become that guy, but Jameis is more ready to play right now than Marcus is. It's getting me excited about Jameis Winston. I'm just saying, because well, Jay Cutler's had a long NFL career where he got paid a lot. He still doesn't have any anticipation. Cam Newton's one of my favorite quarterbacks. I'm not sure if Cam Newton does no, Cam, have Cam, that. Cam, okay. and Cam is Get different. better maybe a little yeah, bit. Cam, Cam is different because he played in a system, a spread system, where the reads are, are really the play action, really clears up the read for the quarterback. Cam, when he's at his best, is when Mike Shula and those guys put him in a situation where he does a lot of things that he did in college. A lot of times when you wonder about why guys make it or don't make it is because it's the fit within the scheme. I always, I'm a big proponent of when you take a player, put him in a situation where he can play to his strengths. But if you ask someone, for instance, Colin Kaepernick, early in his career, they did things that he did at Nevada. He looked a different like a different player. Last year, they had him trying to do conventional, traditional stuff. He struggled. Same thing with RG3. Guys who, what they are, you have to make sure that you build around that. That's the only way you can get success. Isn't that hard, though, because now so many quarterbacks are growing up in college in non-NFL type schemes. You know, you can't ask every NFL team to shift into some sort of college attack. No, you can't. But what they can do very early in the career, they can bring some of those elements early and then you challenge the player as he develops to learn more of the traditional stuff. But early on, if you want to have a young player having success, do a lot of the stuff that they did in college, some of the concepts. That'll get them going, but then it's on them to continue to develop and move past that. Well, I, we have to – I mean, this isn't our strength from a podcast studio 100,000 miles away, but we have to mention the character issue with Jameis, right? I mean, we can't just gloss oh, over Oh, you can't it. gloss over it. It's something that it has to be investigated. It's something that's very, very real. When you're going into these interviews and you, you're dealing with that, to talk about the character thing, there are a couple of different things. The league has their own security team that they do all the background check on Jameis. Every team typically has their own security team that will also do the background checks and vet out everything. Then he will sit in these meetings at the combine. He'll talk to the general manager, head coach, the area scouts, and he will have an opportunity to tell his side of the story. How his side of the story matches up with what they find when they do the background will determine whether guys feel comfortable with him being trustworthy, whether they feel like he will have any more transgressions, and if they can get the owner on board with him being the face of the franchise. So a lot of his work will be done behind the scenes, not what we see on the field. If you're one of these teams that, you know, you're not picking top 10, you want to maybe get a quarterback, 
later in the draft. I mean, I had someone at the Super Bowl during the Super Bowl week, and I said, what's the situation beyond the first two? And the guy just said, absolute crap. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> a, lot, a, lot, a lot of question marks. I mean, when you think about the guys immediately after Jameis and Marcus Mariota, Bryce Petty and Brent Hundley are the two guys that are frequently cited. Both guys played in a, a spread-type system. Hundley's is a little different than what we saw at Baylor. Uh, with Hundley, Hundley's a talented athlete. Uh, he can move around. He can make plays with his legs. I kind of liken him to what Ryan Tannehill is at his best. I think he has the ability to make some throws. He still needs to work on some of his deep ball accuracy and placement. But he has the tools to eventually develop into a good player. The thing that you worry about Brent Hundley is – his pocket awareness. He took a lot of sacks where you think a guy that is that talented, that athletic, would be able to get out of those plays. And also, some of those things like let the ball go. Don't sit there and wait and wait and wait for your guy to get open. Find the check down. Get out of it. You can't take negative plays. Bryce Petty, the big issue is he's playing in an offensive system that is unlike anything that we see in the National Football League. And so we've seen a lot of people ring up big numbers in that system. Not only RG3, Nick Florence and some of the other players that played in that system put big numbers up much like the guys at Texas Tech. What you need to see from Bryce Petty is, is he talented enough to be a guy that can take his game and put into another system and have success? The jury's out because I really worry about his deep ball accuracy. I'd worry about some of the awareness. And at the senior bowl, he kind of struggled making that transition. So how much weight do you put on a guy that struggles in all of those areas? Do you take him second round, third round, and say this is going to be the guy in my future? Can we develop him? You know, a lot will be determined in his private workouts. People will say it's crap, but because it's quarterback, they'll get pushed up to the second, the third round, <laughs> right. and they'll start games this year. They'll so, start games as rookies. Zach Mettenberger started half the season. It's just that's what happens. It's not going to be everyone, but a couple of them will wind up getting a chance to start games right away. The guy that will be the Zach Mettenberger of this class will be Sean Mannion hmm. from Oregon State. Sean Mannion played at Oregon State under Mike Riley, a former pro NFL head coach, a guy that runs a pro-style system, very comfortable doing the things, much like Zach Mettenberger did, that are asked of quarterbacks on Sundays. And so if you're looking for a guy that could come in and maybe play as a rookie and have a moderate level of success, Sean Mannion may. Ignore his numbers. He was not great this year at Oregon State, but he also didn't have the Brandon Cooks that he had. He had Marcus Wheaton and Brandon Cooks two years before. His numbers looked different. You surround him with a talented cast, he could be a guy that could be successful at a quarterback. We only have two more minutes with Bucky Brooks before he has to head out and go to Indianapolis. That's right. Let's talk a little running back just because I feel like the value of running backs has been devalued so much in the draft lately. But right now it's an interesting offseason with some big names possibly moving places. I think we also saw with, with DeMarco Murray and, and other running backs. That obviously, Le'Veon Bell, it is valuable to have a running back. Like Le'Veon Bell was one of the best picks yeah. of the last few years. Giovanni Bernard was a great pick. Jeremy Hill was a great pick. At some point, the teams are going to realize, oh, maybe it would be okay to take them a little bit earlier because those guys <laughs> yeah. are working out. Yeah, they're devalued on draft day, but they're not diminished in importance. You still need to have a feature back because it really alleviates a lot of the pressure on the quarterback. So who are the guys to watch this week? <laughs> the guys to watch, obviously, the first name that comes to mind would be Melvin Gordon from Wisconsin. The big thing with Melvin Gordon – Big, fast, and physical, home run threat. A guy that really has the ability to make plays, not only as a runner, but as a receiver. I kind of liken him to Jamal Charles. If you think about what Jamal Charles has been to Kansas City's offense, I think Melvin Gordon can be that kind of player. That wouldn't be too bad. No, I, I mean, and I think he was everyone a thir- would like that. third-round pick? He was a third-round pick. Talk about that. That's one that you look back on. And I remember when Charles came out and everyone thought, was that the same draft as Chris Johnson? Everyone thought this is kind of, I don't know if it was the same draft as Chris Johnson. They were, they were in those same things. But the thing. But the thing everyone about, thought he's going to be too light, third round. 
third too down light. Back. He was a track star. He didn't put up consistent production at the University of Texas. He gets to the National Football League, has an opportunity, plays in a system that is really conducive to his talents, has a lot of success. Gets bigger. You know, like the, the thing about the running back position, um, yeah, you don't necessarily need to expend a first-round pick, but if you find a guy in the second and third round, that's what teams are doing. The sweet spot for running backs are in the second and third round. Frank Gore, I mean, it goes Eddie on Lee. and on and on and on. Second and third round, find your running Any back. Any you like in that area especially? Yeah, the I Buc- absolutely the Bucky like. Bucky special. Bucky special. I think Miami's Duke Johnson. Duke Johnson reminds me of Shady McCoy. He's a guy that is very athletic. He can run inside and outside, catches the ball very, very well. Very familiar with him, knowing him, watching him since high school. This is a guy that could be a standout player. A lot of people are really excited about Amir Abdullah from Nebraska. Mm. When I talk to some people, they say, look, this guy is very, very talented. He's underrated for some reason. Um, He's 5'9", 195, 200 pounds, kind of runs like Justin Forsett for the Baltimore Ravens. So when you think about Justin Forsett fit into that zone-based running game, I think Amir Abdullah can do that, also catches the ball. And then the guy that is really going to get a lot of attention because he's a bigger back, Jay Ajay from Boise State. Big, fast, and physical, uh, can run Some inside the Some of these guys the sound like science fiction characters. Yeah, I mean, just, just, just big <laughs> – Big Wes dude. is writing them all down. I like this. Wes is really going to school. He's like, okay, Bucky says these guys are good. That's right, gonna, doing his homework. I'm going to check it out. I yeah. have a secretary that transcribes the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you like those. You know, Ty Gurley is one. Ty Gurley would probably be the most talented running sure. back in the position. Had the ACL injury. What team will take a chance of him at the bottom of the first round? I think when you're looking at the you team. You think it'll be that high? Yeah. That early? Wow, yeah, wow. because because if if he's healthy – I think there's a bit of a separation between Ty Gurley and what Melvin Gordon is. Big, very similar to what Marshawn Lynch was when I watched him at Cal. This guy is a big-body guy that can catch. He's a super good athlete, very explosive. Return kicks, had a touchdown return of 100 yards on a kickoff. He can do it all. Sounds like those, a Patriot. No one loves taking chances those on injured bottom. players more than the Patriots. The they are the fantasy guy who always takes like four injured players at lower value and just hopes a couple How of them. How about the 40 Hawks? Even, 49ers do that too. Hasn't worked Seattle, always yeah, for the New Patriots. England, those teams at the bottom, teams that have won, that will be at the bottom of the board, knowing that they have a guy already in place. Because if you're New England, you have LeGarrette Blunt. That's fine. So if Ty Gurley can't give you something as a rookie, you're okay. Mm. Seattle. I don't know about having Sean, okay Blunt. I don't know if you look at it like, hey, Blunt's in place. But <laughs> I think, but I think, but, I, but I'm just now. saying, I'm just saying, like when you think about LeGarrette Blunt and what he gives them, they know they have a starting running back in LeGarrette Blunt. Hell, they can pull one. one off the street yeah. and run for 300 one. yards on right. the Colts. He, right. What he gives them is rides to the other running backs and gets late to the plane. <laughs> Only in Pittsburgh. He didn't, have, he didn't have to. To that case, I will say this. The, the issue in Pittsburgh, I believe LeGarrette Le kind of danced around it, but he hinted to the fact that Bill Belichick shot it straight with him. I think Bill Belichick told him exactly what his role is. I think a lot of times in the National mm-hmm. Football League, your coaches don't. And so after he was let go, Todd Haley talked about, oh, well, he knew he wasn't going to play a lot in that game. I'm not of that mindset. That, I believe if he mm-hmm. told him, then LeGarrette Blunt would not have had that reaction that he had on game day. That does Be not match with uh, what the Steelers coaches were saying in June, July, and August. That's true. That Blunt would be a big part of the offense. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And they, so they told him that, and then he didn't play that. When Le'Veon emerged, just shoot it to him straight. I think Bill Belichick's best quality is he shot it straight mm. with his players, which is why they play. Mm. This is like doing a law and order or that <laughs> investigation <laughs> discovery. We're unlocking mysteries of the NFL season after they're over. Bucky Brooks, I know you got to go. 
Uh, thanks for joining us. We're going to have you on regularly thanks during for draft on. season to school us as we uh, catch up on all the combine stuff. Hey, thanks so much for having me on. Thanks, Bucky. So that was Bucky Brooks. Great talking to him. Great seeing you guys. As I mentioned earlier, I won't see you, Mark, uh, for another week after this because you are heading to Indianapolis. Well, maybe we can we can do some FaceTime at nights or something. <laughs> catch up. He's going to miss his jogging partner. Yeah, that's that, true. That, that was at the that was at the owners' meeting. Uh, We're setting a time for that. Uh, I think this year it's in Phoenix, our old our old stomping grounds there. Uh, so you're going to be going to the combine. You're going with Dan, Kevin Patra is driving down from Chicago, right? And Connor will be there. Chris and I will be manning the shop here. We will do a show later this week. It's a little TBD, but we'll definitely have one Friday, and and we'll see if we can cook up one before that. Is there is there anything? from your experience in Indianapolis that you're especially looking forward to taking advantage of this week? I think it's, <laughs> I think it's one of the rare, unlike Super Bowl week, which is a nightmare on some level because there's so many people there that aren't even there for football reasons that it's actually like Indies cut down to mm. just football writers. You're in Starbucks and like John Elway's getting coffee. I just like, you don't know who you're going to run into, who you're going to see. And I'll just be sad that you guys aren't there. That's a real, that's a bummer. If I remember correctly, you walked up and, and introduced yourself to Bill Belichick at uh, show oh, that's right. Later. Yeah, well, he was having dinner or something with what? Uh, Greg Schiano, Lombardi, Schiano and, and Lombardi, Shim- and yeah, and Schiano. Yeah, Belichick was and Mar- and Mark really was- thrilled to say hi to me. <laughs> and been Mark interrupted their dinner to go say hello. Listen, um, I hope you come back with better stories even than that this year, Mark. Uh, so we'll look forward to all your coverage there. For Mark Sessler, Chris Wesseling, and Bucky Brooks. Gonna give us music now? Are we gonna? Are we? Oh, look, wait a minute! We're we gonna squash this. Here. Are we gonna squash this beef right now? Well, wow! We it's like a no holds oh, barred cage match. Greg did his here. best to try to end that show well, right no. away there. All right, no. for not happening for <laughs> fans of our podcast that don't recognize the voice. This is Daniel, DJ Jeremiah, and why I was trying to hurry up here is I thought you were walking in, DJ, because you have an interview set up like oh, right now. No, no, hurrying, no! So I got I my leg. Go. My leg is a little sore. And I thought, okay, I can go sit down in the lobby and watch people try and figure out the door that's locked today because it's a holiday, which is kind of fun. But then I thought, why, why do that when I come into a freezing room it's and hang out with three of my favorite friends at the oh, – Well, no, and he's, so on nice. the, he's on the comeback from an Achilles tear. Yep. And that, what month was that? I tore it late November. You're now very agile. Mm. You're, no? Did you, well, I just saw this news, which you guys know about, right, with Robert Mathis – potentially re-injuring his Achilles scared the crap out of me. Yeah, we didn't even yeah. put that into the news, but his agent denied he had some sort of setback and hopes he'll be ready for OTAs, Yeah, so But, but just the thought of that scares me to death. So now, Dan is driving back from Palm Springs. Yeah, where is, where well, is he? He's on a much-deserved vacation with wife and new baby. He's but going to Indianapolis tomorrow. But yeah, he How do you feel baby. sitting in the room with the three of us? Well, I don't have quite the voice to carry the room that Dan does, so that's a little intimidating. But <laughs> You also don't have a beef with the three of us. It's just Dan. Well, let's be honest. That's kind of what it is. Yeah. Do you think there's any chance I come in here if he's in here? <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, first of all, you're making podcast history. You're the first person to ever interrupt the close of the show. And keep Is it going. Is that nice? Well, I yeah. mean, we had the music. People want more. Take skill. People music playing and everything, and we wouldn't do that for anyone. We would only do that for a DJ who's got his own podcast, great podcast, Move the Sticks podcast. Well, that's nice of you. But what what do you think the percentage of people that on Twitter think that our our podcast beef is real. I would say over 50%. Over 50? I was yeah, I'd say put like, it high. Yeah. Yeah, for for any listeners that haven't seen it or, you know, don't have Twitter, are people do people not have Twitter? I don't know. 
you know, my there, mom there's does been not some back it. and forth. Let's be honest. Some, oh, yeah. some nasty Damashek's been in the middle of it. Hansis and you, especially you. See, and I thought I had, I thought I had an alliance with Dave in this <laughs> right. kind of our WWE Always thing we have, <laughs> and then I find out third party, mind you, about this collaboration between Damashek and you guys. Oh yeah, so, yeah. I'm kind of isolated. Well, I was left out of that one, as was Greg. So we're not on board with. Oh, that you guys weren't in that. And I think that was all strategic. Strategic too. It's interesting. When I'm gone, the Damashek, uh, ATNFL thing comes together, and when Dan's gone, suddenly you know DJ is on the podcast, and I love it. And we got to have you on seriously. <laughs> all right, I just wanted to crash and say hello to actually Listen, talk uh, about the draft, the combine, and everything else. We'll have DJ on soon. Uh, but until then, again for Mark, Chris, DJ. And Bucky Brooks, I'm Greg Rosenthal. We'll see you later. You go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better that crisp fresh unmistakable irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses so when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it irish spring body wash and bar soap fresh green irish shop now at a store near you Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Compatibility. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the Land of Saints and Sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Watch it now on digital. Rated R.